You are listening to the Israel Connection on JA Community Radio in Melbourne, Australia. My name is David Schulberg, bringing you another episode of this weekly radio program that provides analysis and insight with important interviews and discussion about Israel. Moivir, also known as Moshe Raviv, was born in 1904 in Vilnius, Lithuania, as Moses Vorobechik. He initially studied painting. In his early 20s, he matriculated at the Bauhaus, taking courses with Paul Clay, Vasily Kadinsky and Josef Elbers, and left from there to attend the École Photo 1 in Paris. In 1932, Raviv was sent by the weekly La Vie Parisienne to mandatory Palestine as a photo reporter, immigrating two years later and founding the artist colony in Svat. He designed many posters that were used to promote Zionism. After 1950, he focused more on painting than photography and lived in Svat until his death in 1995. I'm really delighted today to welcome Dr. Nissan Perez to the Israel Connection. And we're talking about an extraordinary artist, uh, Moi Ver, also known as Moshe Raviv, and originally Moshe Vorobechik. Now, uh, you're the man to talk about this, this great artist. And the reason I'm talking with you today is because I had the great pleasure only two months ago of coming across an exhibition at the Pompidou Center where I saw the work of uh, Moivet for the first time and became aware of him for the very first time. And I think uh, for our listeners today, this might be a revelation to hear what uh, you're going to be telling us today. So give us a bit of an idea about uh, this figure, Moivet, and why we should be talking about him. Thank you, David. First of all, you are not the only one to just discovered Moiver for a long time, for decades actually, he totally vanished from the radar of the art world for a very simple reason, that at some point he moved to Palestine in 1934, he changed his name, and so he disappeared. But if we go back to uh, his uh, personal history uh, briefly, he was born in Vilnius, or Vilna, as they called it at the time, uh, the Jerusalem of uh, Lithuania in 1904 to a traditional religious uh, Jewish family. They had his uh, education in the first Hebrew school ever that was opened outside Palestine. He was religious, he was Zionist by formation. He spoke already Hebrew, Polish, Russian, French, and German. His education was really uh, broad. He acted according to the spirit of the period. We are speaking about uh, 1915, 1920, 25, the peak of modernist movement, especially in Europe. Modernists at the time actually tried and did, in fact, reject all the traditional and accepted values of religion and family, the traditional art conventions, in order to build or rebuild a new world according to their to their understanding of what was happening in the art world and in the social political areas in general. Moiver, who already Moshe Borovechik, as he was called at the time at least, already studied art and was a painter, applied to the Bauhaus and was immediately accepted. He left everything behind him in Lithuania, moved 
to the Bauhaus in Germany, studied the best possible teachers like Joseph Albert, Paul Klee, of course, and especially Moholinage, who was really a key figure and who also introduced photography to the Bauhaus. After two and a half years at the Bauhaus, as an accomplished artist, he moved to Paris, which was at the time really the core of the modernist movement worldwide, where all artists from all over the world, from America, from Spain, from Eastern Europe, were really running to be there and to create. He met also many, many of the very important artists at the time, and they were all frequenting the same cafe in Montparnasse in Paris. He continued photography rather than painting or drawing. And at the time, he was really considered as one of the most important photographers active in Paris. And especially his first two books, one of them was about the ghetto lane in Vilna. The second one was about Paris. The first one was about the Jewish life in the Vilna ghetto. The second one was already more international vision, a modernist vision of Paris as he conceived it. Beyond that, he was working also for all many magazines. He was already planning a third book that was never published because in the early 30s, because of the situation in Europe, especially what happened in 1933 in Germany, that's when also he decided that in 1934, he would leave Europe and move to Palestine. He was already once in Palestine in 1932, two years previous, because he was sent by one of the magazines to make a documentary and photographic project in Palestine. Yes. I think he was also a very intelligent man. I never met him, unfortunately. The issue is he must have been a very intelligent person, and very early he understood what was happening in Europe. And that was the reason he uh, decided to move to Palestine. When the Holocaust came, his entire family disappeared. Two sisters and brother, his parents, grandparents, everybody was killed. He was the sole survivor. And his family, yeah. Your son, you are the keeper of uh, what's called the Moivir Archive. Right. This is something that you came across very fortuitously. Suddenly a suitcase with so many negatives of, of his uh, that were discovered by his son and granddaughter landed on your doorstep. When, when did right. this happen? Well, this happened about six years ago, because I started working as a director of the archive about 10 years ago. We were all uh, with uh, his, his son and two granddaughters. We were trying to put some order in uh, the archive and uh, computerize everything, scan all the photographs and so on. But we only had paper prints. We were all uh, wondering what happened to the negatives because he was a very meticulous person. So we were sure that they must be somewhere because the, the archive were also scattered into three different places. And until uh, one day, uh, one of the granddaughters found an old, dusty, dirty suitcase. And when she opened it, she called me immediately. We almost fainted when we looked at it. All his negatives 
were in this suitcase in tin biscuit boxes. That was that was really a miracle. So from this point on, we started scanning all the negatives, about twelve thousand negatives that we have already on computer now. Few more that we are still uh, scanning. It was really a miraculous thing that happened. Even better part of it was that because they were sealed in those boxes, notwithstanding the humidity in Tel Aviv, they were in almost perfect condition. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Now, Doubt, as you were saying, the turning point in Moivert's life was when he was sent by this weekly La Vie Parisienne to Mandatory Palestine as a photo reporter. And right. that must have influenced him because only two years later, as you say, he decided to emigrate to Palestine. Now, when he emigrated, can you perhaps tell us um, what his focus was in his photographic work? He he continued his work. Of course, his pinnacle, as you say, was when he was in Paris, but nonetheless, he continued his work. But what did he diversify his work into? Right. What, what was he doing when he came to Palestine? His moving to Palestine was because he was exposed to the Zionist idea. He already, early in his life, while he was still in high school, he met Zalman Schneor, who later on also wrote the introduction to his uh, Vilnius book. Uh, there was already a connection that, that was created very early in his life. But then, in 1934, he took everything with him and moved to Tel Aviv. In 1934, Tel Aviv was already uh, the first Jewish city uh, in Palestine. He continued taking photographs of Palestine, of the life of the country, and also he worked for all the national institutions that the uh, Jewish agency, the Karen Kayeme, the Karen Ayesod, and also for the Histadrut, the uh, Workers' Association, and also for some of the political parties. He created photographs. He used those photographs in the publications and the posters, advertising posters he created for those institutions. The mythological Aleph of the party was created by him, in the very early poster for the elections that were held from the 1930s on in the country. He also went to the kibbutzim, documenting the life there. He documented building construction works. He uh, documented industrial uh, sites. Among others, the creation of the Tel Aviv port, where he made uh, several photographs, but organized them in photomontages, which are quite interesting. This was between 1934, the moment he arrived, until 1950. In 1950, he decided that he would go back to his first love, which was Spain. And then he moved to Tzfat. He bought a house there. He joined the artist community of Tzfat and he stayed there, actually, until the end of his life, for uh, another 40 years. The very different stages in his life are very interesting, but also typical of a modernist mind that would not stand still, but 
evaluate all the time in his vision, in his thought, and in his artistic practice. One thing I can mention to you, um, you know, we've spoken about him having uh, three different names. Briefly, when he got to uh, Palestine, he actually changed his name yet to another name, which is the Hebrew word Ankorion, which is a literal translation of his original name, which means Little Sparrow. Right. Well, this was for a very brief period because he chose the word Ankorion. But at the time, there was another man called Ankorion, and he said, there couldn't be two of us. <laughs> so he decided to change it to Ravid. Ankorion was actually the Hebrew translation of Borovetic. If we look at what um, have been um, expositions of, uh, of his work, you just mentioned the third book that never really got published was uh, a book called uh, Sicontra. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, which is, um, but it's quite a, a fascinating layout. His kind of modernist, avant-garde approach to art was expressed in the way this book was um, published. I believe this was actually exhibited at the Fondation on the Cartier Bresson in Paris in 2012. Right. And it is now at the Pompidou as part of the exhibition. Actually, the Pompidou acquired it, the, the entire set. All right, okay. The graphic design of his books, from the very first one of the Vilnius Ghetto book and the Paris book and Sikont, the third one, were all done by him. Because at the Bauhaus, among others, he also studied graphic design with the best possible teachers like Boholinaj. And then he was extremely precise in the way he wanted his books uh, look like. The Vilnius book is actually, I would say, at the top of the avant-garde of the time because to take uh, such a subject of Jewish life in the ghetto, but with a uh, graphic design that was totally against what a documentary book would be, is uh, quite a miracle. The same, the Paris book that was published the same year, also uh, designed by him, and naturally, Seacorn that you have seen uh, was also the graphic design is uh, amazing. He was a, a true artist in every possible field he touched on. From graphic design to photography to drawing to painting, the way he actually organized his life. I don't know whether you want to go through one particular set of images which are on your archive page. So the photo montage from the Palestine years. Right. Are you able to uh, talk us through those images? I can, I can send you more photo montages from the Palestine years. I have a few more. But do you want to describe, uh, as we're speaking, what are the photographs that uh, you've included there? What, what are the subjects? His work in Palestine covered many different aspects of life in the country. Now, he started making photo montages in Paris. And then when it came to describing life in Palestine, he also used many photomontages, like, for instance, there is one of a building site 
but in the background we see the Tower of David in Jerusalem, even though the building site is in Tel Aviv, which is very interesting. There is another one of construction workers among a background of an Arab village. Yes. Uh, there is another one uh, of a very interesting, and actually it was a strike of genius, that of a man sewing uh, in the field, but underneath there are two little photographs of the Homau Migdal, the uh, fence and the tower of the kibbutzim that were being built at the time. There are so many, uh, some of the uh, photo montages joined together are uh, agricultural sites and construction sites, which have no connection in reality, but he put them together to illustrate the, I would say, the, uh, the forces working in Palestine at the time. And we are speaking of all the periods before 1948. The life in the kibbutz was also very important for him because already in Europe, he was documenting all the Hachshara movement with a series of uh, very important photographs. The summer camps they had over there. And it's interesting that it one, in one of the summer camps, he also met Beryl Katzenelson. So, uh, you know, it all revo- evolves around the Zionist movement in Europe and then uh, after that in, uh, in Palestine and finally in Israel. His life, the major part of his work was made in Palestine, even though the important development in his artistic life took place in Paris. But he imported the European vision to art and photography in Palestine from 1934 on. Unfortunately, he didn't really leave much of an impact on photography in Palestine, like later photographers who came uh, also in 1930s and they opened shop mostly in Tel Aviv and somehow were uh, to some extent influential in the development of photography in Palestine and then later on in Israel. Because all those uh, photographers who came from the 1930s of especially left Europe, mostly Germany, they immediately created their own photographers' association and so on. And Moiver was never part of it. We don't know what the reason was, but he must have had the, his own reasons uh, for that. He was working mostly, as I said, with the Zionist institutions uh, in the country. Therefore, uh, was maybe too busy creating the propaganda uh, photographs for those institutions rather than uh, being a commercial photographer like all the others who often shop. Yes. Now, looking uh, through the developments of um, of exhibitions, as I was saying before, uh, I think were you you creating the exhibition that took place in the Haifa Museum in in 2015? Was that something that you were involved with? Yes. I I curated the exhibition in Haifa in uh, 2015, uh, but it was part of a uh, many exhibitions that uh, were uh, around the uh, the theme of place. Changing perspective, I think, was the theme I've seen. Yeah, and so uh, there were about 20 photographs by Moiver with a text, small text I wrote for it, 
but it was part of a very large uh, set of uh, exhibitions at the Haifa Museum. But on, in 2019, we had a major retrospective of his work already in Vilnius at the National Gallery of Art in Vilnius, which was, in fact, the first exhibition he ever had, a comprehensive exhibition in his life or after that. That was very important with, a, with an important catalog and facsimile of the uh, Vilnius book that was really breaking through the incognito life of uh, Moivet, especially uh, bringing him back to his uh, native uh, town was quite important. And then, of course, we were working also parallelly with the uh, Pompidou, the result of the exhibition that, and I must say, they made a wonderful job. It covers every possible aspect of his artistic creation. And with a lot of documentation, uh, the several publications he, uh, he made in Palestine, especially uh, for the uh, Jewish Agency, the Masada publication, there were so many. He was so very much involved in the, uh, the publication world in, in Palestine, using his photographs, using other people's uh, imagery, but with a very specific goal that was really promoting Zionism and promoting life in Palestine at the time. I can understand that after 1948, 1950, he decided to stop all this activity and then move back to painting, which was his first one. This exhibition of the uh, Pompidou uh, is going to travel after that to be in Warsaw later this year. And yes. it will be uh, in Israel, in Tel Aviv. It'll start in March next year. So anybody who's listening to this show who will be in Israel between March and July next year will be able to catch this uh, extraordinary exhibition. Yes. And then, well, with the exhibition in Tel Aviv, we will make a few changes because we want to add more material from his Palestine years, okay. which was only a small section. In the Pompidou exhibition, it will be even more important for the local Israeli public. We don't know yet if there will be a publication. Right now, there is a French catalog from the Pompidou. The English version is in the works and will be ready in, about, in a couple of months. The trouble with the catalog is that it weighs a few kilos, doesn't it, Nissan? Yes, <laughs> yes. It's big, it's heavy, but it's beautifully done. Lots of articles in it, lots of essays concerning Moiver, modernism, uh, and all the aspects of uh, his, uh, his creative work and life. I wanted to just mention, uh, when we talked about exhibitions, uh, we didn't mention the Israel Museum in Jerusalem, which has had some exhibitions which go back quite a bit, uh, because the very first exhibition that I can see that was, was there goes back to uh, 1939, which is the first Exhibition. Actually, it wasn't at the Jerusalem Museum yet. It was at an art gallery in Tel Aviv in 1939. Do you know anything about that exhibition, which was a solo exhibition of Moshe Raviv? No, we have no record of that. That's interesting. Yeah, well, it's, no, it's, it's noted on the uh, uh, website for the Israel uh, Museum. I don't know where they got the information, but I have to check that. That's interesting. And uh, then because it says... 
Then it says the, the first exhibition actually at the Israel Museum in Jerusalem was in 1969 of Jewish Vilna in the 1920s. Because at the Israel Museum, it was just about the Vilnius uh, photographs. Yes, just about that. It was just that. That was before my time at the museums. I wasn't involved in that. Yes, I understand. Now, these books that you, you've mentioned that are so seminal in, uh, in photography, how many, how many copies of these books are, are available in circulation still? There are not too many of them. The Vilna Ghetto book could be found because it was published in three languages, English, Hebrew, and German. There were quite a few copies of it that were, were circulating. The Paris book is rare because after it was published, and uh, there was a flood in one of the storage areas, and then most of it was destroyed. So the ones that were sold are quite rare. They must be, but still, at least several hundred in public institutions or in private hands. If you can find one in good condition, it's really quite a miracle. Not very often uh, we can find it. And then the third one, of course, we know that never... There was a facsimile publication that was made of sequence in Germany, but it was not the original. Uh, it was made using the original mock-up that Ravir Vorovetic or Moiver designed at the time. Maybe at some point we will uh, republish it. We are trying to decide on that. But in any case, we are also... Uh, what was interesting, while he was in fact in his house working as a painter, Raviv wrote his memoir. And we have a huge stack of pages typewritten where he recalls his, uh, his life in Europe, in Vilnius, and then uh, in uh, Palestine. What's unfortunate is that he never mentioned anybody by name. So we have only initials. He said, I met M or I met B, there are no names, and we have to try and guess who were those people who were. There are quite a few mysteries. How come from Moishe Borovejcik, he became Moiver? We know exactly why. Because when his Vilnius book was published on his original name, Borovejcik, but the Paris book, which was an art book, he was just about to publish it, his very good friend at the time, André Malraux, later to become Minister of uh, Culture uh, in France, said, well, listen, Moshe Vorovejcik doesn't sound very artistic, so you should try to find another name. He decided to go for Moiver. Was it because he met Man Ray? We don't know. But we know that they were frequenting the same cafes in Paris. It's a possibility. At some point, we do want to publish his memoirs, because they are important for the art world, for the society in Palestine and Israel. He was an important figure that was forgotten. And so we have to bring him back to the consciousness of the art world in general, and the Pompidou exhibition has done it. You've been listening to a podcast of Dr. Nissen Perez, photography historian, curator, director of the Moi Ver Archive, telling us about an extraordinary artist, Moi Ver, who became Moshe Raviv after emigrating to Palestine in 1934.